Drums, please. Listen to the 48 Hours Podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Hello there, and welcome back to Dopamine, the show that is all about personal empowerment and helping you unlock your potential. I am C-Note, a.k.a. Christian Rivera, and I am your host for this show, for this episode, for this platform. And uh, today I want to talk about death. So buckle up, get ready, get comfortable, because we're going to talk about some some intense stuff. Um, mostly this time of year is my favorite time of year, and it's the most interesting time of year for me because... It's a time where we have the opportunity to look at the change of tone around us to see leaves falling and trees dying and the weather is changing. It's getting colder. It's getting darker. And there is a psychological change that happens along with that as well. Now, this year being 2020, we've had a lot of psychological challenges that we've had to face with the coronavirus, with not being able to travel, not being able to see people. There's probably some of us that haven't, haven't hugged anyone in 10 months. Um, however long this has been at this point, I don't remember, um, less than 10 months, but still a lot of months, a long time. And there's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot of feeling that needs to be felt through that. And I've talked about this on this podcast quite a few times. Um, and also side note, you're probably going to hear some fan noise in the background because I'm in my car and the heater is on, uh, because it's already 38 degrees here in Rochester, New York. It gets cold really quickly. The winter kind of comes suddenly here. And, um, I, I do appreciate the transition that happens. I used to live in San Diego and in San Diego, there was really no seasons. It would get a little colder in certain spots. But for the most part, it was sunny every day and there was no transition. And that sounds amazing on the surface. But the thing I missed was I missed rain. I missed clouds. I missed contrast. 
And contrast is really what this season offers. This season is an opportunity to see how ebbs and flows change, how seasons change, how our lives change. And that typically some of the challenges we face in life, mental health wise, uh, for the most part, are related to an inability or a desire to cling to normalcy or an inability to change. And life is always moving, changing, transitioning, going from one thing to the next thing. And if we're not ready for the change that comes, for example, if we don't buy a jacket and wear the jacket in winter, then we're going to freeze when we go outside and that's not going to go very well. You might get sick, you might die, etc., etc. So while this is going to be an episode all about death, this is also an episode about change and not clinging to what we would like to feel or what we would like to experience. Our ideals, what we consider to be normal, what we want out of life, and clinging to that, especially when we have an opportunity to experience that, it, it's, it's really easy to just want to cling to it. So when I talk about the coronavirus, for example, it's actually been interesting that the coronavirus, at least in the U.S., started around springtime. And springtime, especially for us in Rochester, New York, which is pretty high in terms of latitude, it, you know, there was already six months of winter. There was already six months of being inside and people were ready to get out. And now this is another interesting time where it's not going to be any better for people to be inside, but it, it's in the summer, people were longing to get out. They were longing to connect and a, a longing to embrace the joy that sunshine, that warmer weather, that the greenery and colors of the environment around us bring. Now it's an interesting time to see and embrace the transition, <clears throat> or at least an opportunity to embrace the transition into the darker months and potentially finally feel the depth of the difficult feelings that we have to feel in relation to what we've experienced all year long. <clears throat> some of us, some of us have experienced death and loss. I have, I lost my brother in May this year. Some of us have experienced loss earlier than this. And perhaps we've had to wrestle with the option, the opportunity, the, the, the potential moment that death could come knocking on our door any moment because you know, with this disease, we can't see it. We don't know if we have it on our hands at any moment. We just don't know. And while there have been two schools of thought in this, you know, some have clung really deep into being super safe and never leaving their house uh, and, and completely avoiding existing. And others have leaned in completely to just, you know, submitting to the flow of, of, of hope or the whims of the universe or the fate of God or whatever you want to subscribe to and say that if I die, I die. And, you know, there's, there's a challenge with both schools of thought is that obviously if you give yourself into the void, then you die and you cease to exist and you're gone and you're done. Whereas the other school of thought is clinging to life and being hyper aware and hyper afraid and hyper tense and not flowing with what's happening and making the necessary precautions <clears throat> and not finding the ways that you need to still 
experience connection, experience joy, and experience all the things you need to experience and feel the feelings you need to feel that come from all of what, what is happening. So one is very much an avoidance tactic, avoiding all of the difficult feelings altogether. And the other is leaning in too hard. So when I talk about dealing with this season of life and death, this transition point, I'm not talking about embracing the idea of death so much that it consumes you and that become you become anxious and you become hyper-tense and cling to uh, a fear of death. But it's also about not going the other way around and pretending you're invincible because none of us are. Death comes for us at some point. And just because we think that death is going to come for us at some point, not just because we think because we know that death is going to come for us at some point, doesn't mean we should stop living. It just means that we have to ebb and flow and change as life ebb and flows and changes. So what I'm really trying to get at is that, you know, death is a very real part of life. Death is a, it's, it's something to accept, but not necessarily embrace. I realize that I'm going to die one day and I don't know when that's going to come. It could be tomorrow, could be five minutes from now, it could be 30, 40, 50 years from now. I have no idea. And if I were to live in this moment right now of assuming that I'm going to die tomorrow, then that might change my behavior. That may change how I think about uh, my perspective on, on things and what I choose to do. If I assume that I'm only going to die 50 years from now, then that's going to affect how I behave, how I choose to live my life, etc. So it's hard to describe because I'm trying to describe this like middle ground of tension, right? I think everything is tension. You know, you're grasping and releasing tension points in life. You're uh, listening to a joke and then laughing at the end. You're holding a lot of anxiety in your body and then you find some way to release it through physical excitement and movement. Um, there are all sorts of these ebbs and flows in life and these tensions and release points in life. And death is another one of those release points. You know, I've never experienced death, obviously, but, uh, if you've had the opportunity to listen to hospice workers, either on podcast episodes or, um, someone like Ram Dass talks about his experience working with, uh, those in, in their dying days, they've exp experienced the slow release of death as a beautiful thing that their body starts to slowly shut down and it's almost like a blissful state. Now there are very different kinds of death, right? There are violent deaths that happen suddenly and people who cause those deaths and that can be a horrific thing that can feel painful. That can feel terrible. That could be scary. That could be, you know, intense and that's another very real aspect and reality of life that that could happen. And again, I'm not trying to cause paranoia. I realize that I'm, that I'm painting too much of a picture of that, but the idea of what I'm trying to convey is that death is, death is kind of an easy concept to grasp when you really think about it. You're alive, then you're not. You're here and then you're gone. Whether or not you have questions about what happens after we die, that's a whole different conversation. But the fact that there's there's the alive state, then there's the not alive state. 
dead is not really dead. Dead is not existing anymore. Existing is one. Dead is zero. And before you were alive, you were not alive. Which is, in essence, as far as we know, not very much different from death. The only real difference is that you were alive. And being alive means that you were able to leave a legacy. That you were able to leave an opportunity for people to remember you. And that's really what Dia de, Dia de los Muertos is all about, is this, this remembering people and keeping their spirit, their soul, their energy alive through remembering them, for caring for them over time and, and keeping, their, their, yeah, keeping their memory going. And that's really one of the differences of life and death is that we got to experience things, we got to create things, we got to participate in the ebb and flow in existence. And, you know, when I'm talking about flow, when I'm talking about bracing yourself, when I'm talking about avoidance, it, it all is in relation to what we tend to want to do while we're alive. It's clinging to wanting to be alive or clinging to the ideal circumstances that will keep us alive or to keep us comfortable. And life is just simply not that simple. And I feel like this season of life reminds us of that, reminds us that the summer goes away, that the leaves fall, that the trees will die. And it comes back. There's a cycle. It keeps going until it eventually does not keep going. That too will one day die. The cycles of flow of every single type of flow that exists in the universe will one day die. It'll be, it'll be gone. It'll, it'll, it'll be forever not a thing anymore. But the fear of death is far less worrisome than the fear of not living. I think for me, I want to embrace living and the ebbs and flows of living as much as I can for as long as I can. I don't know when my day comes. I have no idea. I've had opportunities and almost taken my life myself plenty of times. But death for me means that there's a beauty to living. Again, it creates this contrast. I've thought about this also in relation to like creativity. It's kind of a strange pivot, but I've been thinking a lot about creating with the end in mind. I've been thinking a lot about starting something and wondering or trying to figure out what the end looks like. Not necessarily the exact details of, of where this project is going to end, but even just accepting the idea that it's got to end sometime, right? Whether it's because if I think about this podcast, it's it, whether it's because I die and then the podcast is done because there's no one else to take up the mantle or I deliberately choose to finish this podcast in some sort of wrapped up nice kind of way. And I think these cycles of life and death happen all the time with all of the little things that we appreciate in life, that we experience in life, relationships, careers, uh, creating podcasts, uh, businesses, whatever. I know that my time in Rochester, New York will end at some point, somehow, some way, either I die or I move. Or, you know, the kids move away and then we move away or 
something like that happens, that changes, you know, where I am right now is not going to be here forever. And that doesn't mean I shouldn't appreciate where I am now. I can look at the trees and I can appreciate the dead trees that are sitting in front of me and still find an awe and wonder in the moment without being afraid that this is going to be over. It's more of just an acceptance that at some point, yeah, this is going to be over. And we can appreciate and and try to hold on to what we can for as long as we can. But it is going to end at some point. And I know that's a really difficult thought. That's why I'm talking about this. Because this season of life encourages the thinking of that. And I think the thinking of those things, thinking of, of death, of endings, of transitions, of movement, of flow, allows us to take stock in that for ourselves. There's, you know, there's other holidays. There's obviously Halloween that just happened. There's Samhain and Dia de los Muertos. These are holidays or moments or, or ways of looking at the world of this moment in life, this transitional period in the season this fall season, this, there are different ways of looking at how we can explore our inner humanity. I talked about sudden deaths and, you know, possibly things like murder or crimes of violent passion that happen from one person to another that much of the time, and I can't speak for every human being, obviously, but if we're not aware of the depths of our humanity, often that's when the depths of our humanity can manifest. You know, Hitler had a story. And as much as it probably sounds terrible to try to look at his story and connect the dots and try to find the core link to his humanity, that there is a depth of humanity in him that led to what he did, to led to the decisions that he made. And those decisions were the result of not only his life experience, but his humanity and the choices he made with that humanity. Anybody is capable of that. And I know that sounds like it's really difficult to accept. It's maybe horrible to think that you as a person are capable of of something like genocide but you're nowhere near that right now. <laughs> you're not in a place, whether it's circumstantial or uh, resources or your current worldview that are not in a place where you're currently, you know, in that direction. But are you capable of that? I would say yes. I think I'm capable of that. I think any of us are capable of horrible, terrible things. And I think that's an important thing for us to take stock of in these moments. Not to embrace the idea of quote-unquote evil or sin or any of these terrible things. It's not about self-defeating or calling yourself a bad person. It's not about self-judgment. This is simply about shadow work. This is about embracing the darker, more... Not, maybe not embracing, that's probably not the right word, but accepting that there are darker abilities within us to cause harm, to cause psychological damage, to manipulate, to try to get what we want, to try to work the system to get what we want. 
And those are not necessarily all quote-unquote bad things. Depends on what God you subscribe to. But this is beyond the concept of religion and God and all of that stuff. That if you're having a hard time listening to what I'm saying, it might be because of that idea. Because you're feeling, feeling like you're being judged by a God of some kind. And for you to access that part of your humanity, to even just accept that that's a real part of you. And I'm not just talking about the ideas of original sin and all of this stuff. I'm talking about just essence. I'm just talking about humanity. I'm talking about pure, guttural, primal needs and wants. When is the last time you've thought about those needs and wants in yourself? When's the last time you've caught yourself thinking of really terrible thought and saying that I understand why I had that thought. I'm not going to do that thing, but I understand why that came up for me because I'm human. I have emotions. I have needs. I have wants. I have desires. And those things create some of those thoughts and feelings that we have that many of us have likely suppressed that have made us feel like we're a, a terrible person or we've suppressed for fear of being a terrible person. When it's actually, it tends to be the opposite that gets us to being more of a good person in that if we embrace and understand and look at and examine and sit with and talk with some of the deeper, darker parts of our humanity, of our personality, of who we are, that we become a much more tolerant person. We become a much more understanding person of the complexities of human nature because we can see that within ourselves, that we can understand that I understand why this person did this thing because I know that in my humanity I'm also capable of that. And now this is more of a, if you're following personality type stuff, a lot of this sounds a lot like introverted feeling. And it definitely is. But I want you to think beyond that a little bit. This is an introverted feeling as a concept, as uh, for FPs in the Myers-Briggs system, they're leading with this, this decision-making process of understanding all emotional experiences and the depths of human experiences. But they're doing it on our behalf. They're doing it and understanding it on our behalf. This is something that exists within all of us. Me as an INTP, introverted feeling is my eighth function. And this is something that I've accessed through my mental health. When I've had mental health crashes, I get to an introverted feeling place of experiencing the deep depths of my humanity of feeling a lot of intensity, a lot of raw emotion that doesn't have words, that doesn't have something that you can put a voice to. It's just a feeling in your body. It's maybe an impulse, a desire, a want, and an emotional need. And I think introverted feeling is the closest that we have to raw ego in terms of understanding it. And those who develop elegance with it, FPs, can create amazing expressions of our raw humanity, of what we, what our motivations are as humans from a core experience. I know sometimes uh, introverted feeling or FI or authenticity, if you're going by the, the personality hacker uh, terminology, that term is not necessarily in reference to morality. Morality is more in relation to the idea of religion, like I talked about. Religions are formed in graves four of spiral dynamics. 
which is about controlling and managing society through narratives and myths, uh, usually ancient myths that are unfalsifiable. And motivations are deeper than that. Motivations are core to our human being. Motivations are not just about moral choices. Motivations can go deeper than that. Motivations can can go to something that is just like, you know, I want sex and I want to get it somewhere somehow. And you might have difficult thoughts around, you know, what your initial feelings are towards that. What you choose to do from there on out is a result of your upbringing of society, of morality, of ethics, of uh, what serves you and the other person and all of that stuff, right? There's everything that forms around that. But I'm talking about the core essence of either how we feel or what we think. Having dark thoughts or dark, uh, we, we assign them dark. Again, the, the dark and light concepts are also moral concepts that are related to Graves for Blue religion things. So when I talk about that, I'm talking about it from that framework. But even even before assigning it to a darkness or a lightness, it's just what it is. It's an acknowledging of that humanity, of that impulse, of that desire. So when I bring all of this up, it's like, when is the last time you've asked yourself what those things are? What do you want? And again, not letting it run the show, not letting it drive the car in your life. We're not letting it make decisions. You're just sitting with it, writing it down, making it notes in a journal and being aware of these like kind of shadowy, difficult, deeper, raw parts of who we are and just acknowledging it. You know, I think the more that we try to compartmentalize, the more that we try to suppress the more it's like a beach ball being pushed down in a pool. It's going to pop up in some other way. And I think when we are not honoring some of those deeper, difficult parts of who we are, that it's going to emerge in some other way. Again, like flow, like life, like a river, it's going to just keep flowing and keep going. Our energies flow as a human being, our cognitive functions flow between different energetic states Sometimes I want to talk a lot. Sometimes I really, really don't. Sometimes I need to organize in my brain. Sometimes I need to go play and experience stuff when I'm dealing with different cognitive functions in my personality. And none of us are any different in that we're ebbing and flowing through different experiences, different wants, different needs, different energies. And simply being aware of what that impulse is And then we can run it through the filters of what is acceptable for us or for our conscious conscience, for our, for society, for our sense of morality, for whatever relates to our creator or programmer or source, uh, whatever you resonate with, whatever makes sense scientifically or ethically, you know, then you run it through those filters, but sometimes it's very much okay to go to that deep, dark place and just say hi to it. Check in. You're good, right? We're good. We're cool. We're in a good place. And then you can, you know, live your life from there. I think that's what I appreciate about this time of time of the year is that there are expressions of that everywhere. Uh, you know, Samhain is this connection point between earth and the other world, the spirit world. 
I don't know much about Samhain, but I know that it's that's an essence of it. And we talk about, you know, Halloween is also demons and and uh, spirit world stuff, you know, ghostly, ghostly, ghastly things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we make it fun. We make it light. We make costumes, all of that stuff. But there is a very real opportunity here to transition a little bit from the sunshine and the lightness of summer into the core essence of our internal humanity, which also has a darkness to it, which has a more difficult feeling around in the darkness, not sure where things are kind of vibe to it. And especially now with the coronavirus this year, 2020 has been difficult for a lot of people. We've experienced a lot of death and there's more coming, unfortunately, and it sucks. There are other transitions and changes with the election happening in the U.S., um, and other, other things that are going to be happening in the next few months that, you know, death is going to be a pretty, pretty hot topic. And I guess that's why I wanted to do this episode because for me, you know, dealing with death has been a challenge. My, I mean, it is for anyone, but my brother passed away in May and I, I still don't fully know what to make of it. I have my own perceptions of death that we're all made of energy and that energy passes on to other parts of the ecosystem of the flow of cosmic existence that my brother's energy passes into the ground into the earth which passes into other things and you know we're constantly exchanging energy when we eat something we're taking the energy from that thing and consuming it and putting it into our bodies and we're constantly passing that energy around. That energy gets into the toilet and <laughs> goes into other things and decomposes and becomes other things. It's all a cycle. Energy is not destroyed or created, created than other, other than in a star, as far as we know. So, uh, you know, for me, that's sort of how I look at it. It's more of my cosmic, I guess, intellectual perspective. You may have your own myths and legends. You may have your own stories. You may have something you strongly believe in that relates to the story of death for you in some way, shape, or form. But I feel like at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're finding some way to tap into the reality of death, I think that that then, then you can more likely be able to live today. Because death is a very real part of reality. And I see sometimes, you know, the people that freak me out the most in life are the wide-eyed kids who go around uh, assuming that they're going to live forever. Either it's their spirit is going to live on forever or that they're going to be saved by the rapture or they're going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're protected by some sort of divine something. And I think this transition, this opportunity in life is to not necessarily fall into a nihilistic existential void of death, but to see that and, and, and look at the reality of death, even regardless of what's beyond it, it may be a different experience and you may still go on and exist, but it's not going to be this existence. This existence dies. This existence ends some way or another. And I think something about accepting that allows for that contrast to live better today, to do what you want to do, to make the thing you want to make, 
to pursue the relationship you want to pursue, to go for the career that you want to go for, to quit the job that you're in, to go for the thing that you want to go for, to record the podcast even though you don't want to because it's going to be important and good for your emotional expression, (laughs) to make something that does have an end to it, to make a limited run series of something, to not just be on the hamster wheel of making content in perpetuity. That's what I'm working through. And it's strange how this concept of transitions and death isn't just about existentialism. It's not just about nihilism. It's not just about our own humanity. But this cycle allows us to take this idea and put it into other things. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of creating with the end in mind. And for me, I don't necessarily know yet what the end is for this podcast, for dopamine, for what exactly my end game is in all of this. I don't know what the end looks like right now, but I'm thinking about it and I'm trying to figure it out. And for you, maybe thinking about death doesn't necessarily lead you to some sort of a conclusion. And that's not necessarily the point. You're not trying to define what the end of your life looks like, right? You're not trying to define that, you know, you're going to be in bed at 62 and die of a specific disease at a specific time surrounded by specific people. Maybe you have an idealism of what you would like the end to look like, but flow and life has plans. Uh, I wouldn't say plans. That sounds premeditated, but flow life happens. You know, life is ever, ever present and changing. And all I'm saying is that if you're at least considering the end, looking at what this might look like, then you might not overstay your welcome. (laughs) And I'm not saying to end your life prematurely. I'm talking about when you're creating stuff, when you're staying at a job longer than you want to, you know, your, your inability, your difficulty with transitioning to the next thing affects everything around you. I, even something as simple as like the show Breaking Bad, like if that show kept going without a deliberate intentional ending, it may not have been as, as good and well received and accepted as it was. There are musicians that have died much younger than they should have, but even their death created a sense of notoriety for them. And I'm not saying to kill yourself, (laughs) please don't interpret it that way. Uh, I'm not saying to end your life sooner than it needs to. I'm saying to take that idea and put it into the microcosms of life. Don't overstay your welcome at a job and and be unhappy and be miserable and mumble about it. Go move on. When you're feeling like it's time to move on, move on. And a lot of people feel that way about death. When they get to a later stage in life, when they get into their 80s, 90s, it becomes this kind of feeling of like, all right, I've overstayed my welcome. There is a point where you're going to move on. You as an individual, your projects, your creativity, your partnerships, your relationships, your family ties, your location, and even ending this podcast, I got to land the plane and I got to move on. And sometimes that's hard. I don't know how to move on from things sometimes. I don't always know how to end things. I've had a past and a history of not knowing how to end relationships. And I definitely have stretched things on longer than they've needed to and frankly made things worse because I've stayed longer than I've needed to. 
So if you're going to take anything from this podcast episode, I'm trying to convey that transitions are a part of flow. Transitions are a part of life. Death is a part of life. The ending of something is a part of life. This coronavirus situation is going to end, but we're in it. Much like me recording these podcasts, if I can't necessarily see the end, then I'm in it. All I got to focus on is to continue living. But every once in a while, I just have to check in and see, you know, are we nearing the end? And if we're not, keep going. But if you start to feel like you're nearing the end of something that you're creating, that you're working on, that you're in, that you're doing, then maybe it's time to start thinking about what the end of this thing, what the death of this thing looks like. Hi, my name is Michael. I just had a profiling session with CNotes and I really loved it. Uh, I actually have been struggling for a long time, hesitating between INTP and INFP. So getting an expert point of view from outside was critical for me. Uh, I really felt in good hands. Uh, I was able to get rid of any doubts I had. I was able to ask any questions and that was really a game changer for me. Uh, overall, I'm really happy with how the session was set up and very happy with the results as well. So I highly recommend working with him um, and I want you to thank him again. It was totally worth it. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, you masochistic thing, you leave a comment, share your story. Tell me a little bit about what this means to you. You know, is there something that you started thinking about as a result of this? Is there something you're still confused about? Is there something you can offer uh, a story, a cultural perspective, especially if you're, you know, I've got some listeners from different parts of the world. I would love to hear stories about either different beliefs related to deaths or, uh, your own perspective on death. And if that's something that you have been able to flip into something that allows you to, to live your life a little bit more fully, uh, I would love to hear a little bit about that at dopamine.life, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E.life, or hit me up at Let's Go C-Note and all the social channels. One of the best ways is to connect on our email list. You can either do that through the website or on our description here of the podcast. There's a link to our email list and you can, especially if you know your personality type, uh, your Myers-Briggs personality type, you'll get some additional information, some exclusive content. And I tend to write weekly emails to share a little bit of what I'm thinking about, what's coming in the podcast, um, and, and share some other insights or maybe some exclusive, uh, deals or, you know, things that I find around the internet, some books or, or videos or, or whatever, what have you. So go ahead and sign up for that and uh, join us there. So with all of that said, I hope you will take care of yourself. Be extra you know, careful and be supportive of your family and friends around you. If you've got loved ones who have passed this year, I feel you. I support you. I'm with you. Honor their life. Celebrate their life. And you know, take it as a moment to appreciate that you got to experience life with them at the same time as them. And that's an amazing thing. And uh, I, I hope we can carry that into some some positive days in the future. But, you know, let's be where we are and um, go forward together. So I love you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. This has been a C-Note Media Production.